wood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down and the mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God beside you who acts for those who wait for him. I'm going to read verse 3 and 4 again. This is where I'm going to draw from. Verse 3, when you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God beside you who acts for those who wait for him, for those that wait for him. Amen. I, I, I'm going to speak to you. I, I believe God's got a word of encouragement for the church tonight. And so um, I, I'm just going to let the Holy Ghost go tonight. And I want to speak to you from this title, One More Move. One More Move. So if you would put your Bibles down and pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for your sweet presence in here. We welcome it, God. And God, we give you all the glory and all the honor. You deserve it all, God. And I would just ask tonight, Lord, that you have your way, God, and I will get out of the way. Do what you do best, God. Do the unexpected tonight, God. We thank you for your presence in here. In Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. We don't have a big crowd here, but before you're seated, why don't you walk around and greet one another. Amen, amen. It's good to see uh, whether there's 200 people in here or 80 or 90. You can still take the same amount of time greeting and uh, loving on one another. Amen. When you, when you read the book of Isaiah, it, it's 
probably not one of your happier books. Um, can kind of maybe bring you down a little bit. Because Isaiah is foreseeing a future that does not look very good. The prophet paints a pretty grim picture of the judgments that are coming to those who have rejected him. The picture he paints describes the coming darkness and despair with the intensity of a gathering storm. Page after page, sentence after sentence, prophecy upon prophecy, the outlook is bleak as the storm begins to gather. And carefully, the prophet paints the chaos and darkness one brushstroke at a time. And as we read, we are left with a sense of impending doom where there is nowhere to turn and no place to hide from what is coming. Sounds a little bit like today. <laughs> However, Isaiah isn't done yet. After painting this terrible picture, the prophet launches into a beautiful intercessory prayer on behalf of his people. The voice that just described this terrible judgment is now lifted in mercy and humility as he cries out to the creator of the universe in the 64th chapter of Isaiah. And as he looks upon the looming darkness, he lifts his voice to heaven and he cries, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Oh, that you would take the dark storm that is descending upon us in your hands and tear it in two like a sheet of paper. Oh, that you would part the clouds with your glory. Oh, that you would come down. Isaiah looks at the gathering storm in the approaching darkness and still believes that God will find a way to show himself through the darkness. Amen. Isaiah still believes that God in all of his splendor will tear the heavens open and visit his people once again in all his grandeur and majesty and glory. The approaching darkness, the sense of hopelessness, takes Isaiah back to another time when his people despaired. He recalls a time when God showed himself to be mighty and strong on behalf of his people back in Egypt at the time of the Exodus. Isaiah remembers when God brought Egypt to her knees. He recalls there was a time back on Mount Sinai when God demonstrated his power to his people. And so Isaiah lifts his head to heaven and he prays, Lord, do it again. Do it again, Lord. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. And when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence, we should be praying that every single day. Every day. Oh, shut up, he said, I remember the stories of how you proved yourself to Israel. 
I remember how you poured out your glory and your majesty. I remember the stories of how the mountains trembled, how the fire of your presence burned upon the granite mountaintop, how the water boiled at the heat of your presence, and how you declared your glory and your majesty and the power of your name for all the enemies to behold. I remember, Isaiah said, how the nations trembled at the spectacle of your absolute power and authority. Oh, that you would rend the heavens again. Oh, that you would show yourself openly to the enemy. David alludes to this great power in Psalm 18 and 9 when he says, He opened the heavens and came down and dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Isaiah said, this is my sole desire right now, a revelation of God in all his glory. I want to see the power of God just like the days of old. I want to see it happen, God. It's upon us right now. The times are dark right now. And God, I need you to come down and show your power and show your authority and show your strength right now, God. God, we need you to fall right now in a mighty way. Isaiah wanted to see power like when God descended on Sinai in Exodus 19 and 18. It says the whole mount quaked greatly. Power like what David said in Psalm 18 in verse 7. The earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken. The type of power that's mentioned in 1 Kings 19 and 11 when the Lord passed by Elijah, a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Power like Micah, what Micah mentioned when he saw the Lord coming forth out of his place and the mountains were molten under him and the valleys cleft. I want to see that type of power where all creation trembles at your presence because I know all of heaven and earth are subject to your name. But I want to draw your attention to the third verse of our text. This is where Isaiah describes the miraculous work of God as he continues to reflect on Egypt and the bondage of his people. And he says, God, when your people were held captive, when they were under the dark cloud of bondage and oppression, you did, God, you did some awesome things that we never, ever expected. He said, when you showed up, it was incredible. It was beyond our wildest expectations. The laws of nature surrendered to your authority. Of all the powers and principalities in this world, of all the forces that we expected to be at work, you, oh God, were the unexpected God. Your majesty was beyond our expectation. Your power, the demonstration of your magnificence was far beyond anything we could ever, ever dream of. No people anywhere have ever seen such an unexpected deliverance 
as what we received from you. It was completely out of the blue. We never imagined it. Our minds never conceived it. It never entered our hearts the things that you would do for your people. God, when we thought there was no way out, oh, when you thought, when I thought there's no way I'm getting out of this, God, you made a way. God, you made a way. You made a way there and there and there. I never thought I was ever going to get out, but God, you made a way. You made a way. And in a profound display of glory and majesty, God all by himself brought the full might of the Egyptian empire to its knees. God all by himself caused the mighty Pharaoh to bend to his will. He destroyed the mightiest nation on earth. God, in effect, rent the heavens. He tore the darkness in two and burst forth in all of his glory and majesty. And then in verse 4, as Isaiah is still trying to wrap his mind around our incredible God, he says, reading from the King James, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. That waiteth for him. When Isaiah lifted his voice, it was a plea for God to do what he has done before. Isaiah said, I realize that you have the final say. I realize that you have the last move. I realize that your ways are above my ways. I realize that you work in ways that are far, far beyond my understanding. I realize that when you show up, it's going to be in a completely unexpected way. So I'm not going to try to tell you what to do. I'm simply going to remind you of what you've done before. How you rent the heavens, how you melted the mountains, how you declared the glory of your mighty name, and how you showed yourself mighty on behalf of your people. And then I'm going to expect you to show up and do what you do best. I'm just going to turn this whole thing over to you, God. Here's what Isaiah is saying. Even though my eyes have seen the coming judgment, even though my mind has conceived how horrible the situation is, I'm just going to dare to believe that eyes have never seen, ears have never heard, nor has it entered the heart of man what you will do on behalf of those that wait upon you. So I will wait. Waiting stinks. I don't know how you feel, but waiting stinks. We serve a God that knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's not caught off guard by your trials. He is a God that shows up right on time who navigates in a way that you never imagined, 
who demonstrates his glory and power in ways that you have never conceived. I don't know what you might be facing tonight, and I don't know what you might be up against, but I have come to declare to you that it is time for us to take the limits off of God. It's not about what we think and how God should fix it. It's how he does it. We need to take the limits off of God trying to figure it out on our own. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He has always and will always have the last move. And it will always come in an unexpected way. How many times have you faced something and you've waited and you've waited? I don't know how this is going to get fixed. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and I would have never seen it coming from over here because I was looking over there. But that's the way God works. We can't figure him out. We don't know how he does it all. We just wait for him to do it. We just wait. He always has the last move. Don't limit him to moving in the realm of your expectations. Instead, step back like Isaiah and remember what God has done for you. We got some testimonies in the house tonight. I know we do. Remember what God has done for you, right? And recognize that eyes have not seen and ears have not heard what he will do for those that wait upon him. God hasn't finished your story yet. God has not finished your story or your story or your story. And you may think it's the end and you may think it's not going any further. But let me tell you tonight, let me declare to you tonight that God has not finished your story yet. Amen. He is the God who rends the heavens. He is the God that melts mountains. He is the God that always causes you to triumph. He is the one that has never failed you. And he has never forsaken you. And he is the one that has always stood beside you. And he is the one that will always go before you. You can't escape his presence. You can't hide from his majesty. You can't even imagine what he's going to do in your life. But if you will just trust him and you will just wait. You will see God's mighty delivering hand in your life. Our God shows up in the most unexpected times and places. And when he shows up, history takes a dramatic turn. And he begins to work out his will in the lives of those that will wait upon him. Moses was a fugitive in Egypt, from Egypt, who was just keeping his father-in-law's sheep on the backside of the desert when this unexpected God appeared in a burning bush and declared in Exodus 3-7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. Nothing escapes God. Moses went reluctantly to the Egyptian pharaoh and demanded that the Hebrew slaves be set free. 
God worked through an unlikely messenger. Oh, that preaches right there. God worked through an unlikely messenger named Moses and delivered his people against impossible odds. No one saw it coming. No one thought it was going to be done that way. But that's God. That's just God. If that's not incredible enough, our God robed himself in flesh and was born in a manger, wrapped up in swaddling clothes, born of a virgin. That doesn't happen every day. That's kind of unexpected. He called fishermen, laborers, tax collectors, and ordinary folk to travel with him where they experienced the presence and power of Almighty God. Most expected him to restore the legacy of the throne of David. Most expected him to establish an earthly kingdom. Most expected him to overthrow the Roman Empire. Are you following me here? This is the, our expectations. But the God of the unpredictable did the most astounding and unexpected thing at Calvary. They crucified him. They laid him in a borrowed tomb. But what happened next was absolutely unexplainable. On the third day, on the third day, in accordance with the word of God, Jesus was raised from the dead. Amen. Hell thought he was dead and buried. Hell thought the threat had been erased. Hell never understood the transaction that occurred at Calvary until it was too late. For you, for you, for you, for you. Never would have seen it coming, but he did it for you. Give him some praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your work on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Even though you don't see his hand at work, we sing about this all the time. And even though you don't know what he's doing, and even though things aren't going the way you planned, our God is getting ready to show up where you never imagined, to do what you never predicted in a way that you would have never believed. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what the future is going to bring. But I do know that just as soon as you think you got it all figured out, just as soon as you think you got a handle on all of it, the unexpected God's going to come and blow your mind. He makes all things work together for good. He makes all things bring glory and honor to him. Don't limit him to your expectations or your understanding. That's just not how God works. Listen to the words of Isaiah from another passage. Isaiah 40, 25 through 31. Many of you know this very well. To whom then... Will ye liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created these things, that bringeth out their hosts by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, 
for that he is strong in power. Not one faileth. Why, sayest thou, O Jacob, and speaketh, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard? <coughs> Excuse me. That the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching for his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases the strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Eyes have not seen. The ear has not heard what God will do for those that wait upon him. Isaiah was fully convinced. I may not know how. I may not know where. I may never see it with my own eyes. How are you going to work out this terrible judgment to your glory? I, I don't know how you're going to do it, and I may never see it, but that's okay. That's okay, God, because I'm turning it all over to you. Amen. Do your work, O oh God, in your incredible way. What Isaiah was saying in the 64th chapter is, I surrender the whole thing over to you. There's a lesson there. We can get into situations, I need some transparency here tonight, where we just lose our mind. And we're trying to figure this out, and this out, and this out, and this out, and that's not working, so I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. And, and, and I can imagine that God is... You done yet? How true is that? I'm very comfortable right now. I don't know that I could do the right thing. <laughs> How true is that, though? I mean, I can imagine God's like, you know, I can handle this. I got this. I'm going to have the final say anyway. I'm going to make the last move anyway. But if you knock yourself out, because I know you'll be coming back. Right? And so God's like, why don't you just save yourself a whole lot of trouble and just come here right now and just turn it over to me. David said in Psalm 135 through 6, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. And in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. David uses the analogy of a watchman to demonstrate this principle of waiting. The guard stands on the wall and he watches for the first glimpse of the coming daylight. He doesn't control the sun. He doesn't control when it's going to come up. He simply knows that he'll just watch and wait for it. Sooner or later, the eastern sky 
is going to begin to change. Amen? Amen. David said, that's how you wait on God. You wait with expectation. Always wait with expectation. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. Right? I feel terrible. I'm at church this morning. I feel horrible. Well, we're going to pray for you. God's going to do it. I'm just going to speak the faith. As Bishop used to tell me, I'm just the mailman. Right. I, I, just, I, I, don't, you know, I don't know what the contents are in the envelope, but I'm going to deliver the mail. Amen. In Jesus' name, you're healed. Right? right. David says, that's how you wait for God, with expectation. I have no influence at all over when the answer will come, but I will wait. Because I know that I know that I know that even when God waits, his grace is coming. In time, I will have my answer. In time, my help will come from the Lord. In time, the bright glory of God will be set on the eastern horizon if I will just wait on the Lord. I have had many seasons of waiting on the Lord. <laughs> right? We've all had those seasons. Do we buy a house here? Do we buy a house here? Do we do this? I'm waiting. God, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. We've all done it. And it seems like the more I want my answer to come, the slower it comes. <laughs> but even though my answer is delayed, I have learned from experience that delay is not the same as denial. Right? Sooner or later, the sun's going to rise. The same is true with the blessings of God. Don't mistake a delay on God's part with denial. Sometimes God waits, but in time, you will have to answer. Let me say it this way. Sometimes God waits because he's working out a lot of other different things behind the scenes that you have no idea. That's why God is so amazing when he does something. Because you begin to see all the different components that, you know, and you go, oh, wow, you did that, and you did that, and you did that, all for me? I thought you were only going to do this little bit here, but you did all that. If you wait, if you wait. Isaiah never saw the results of his intercessory prayer. The people of God didn't heed his warning. His prophetic word was ignored, and the judgment of God was poured out. And even though Isaiah's prophecy may have been ignored, Isaiah's prayers were not. Years later, when the nation of Israel was in Babylonian captivity, cut off from their homeland in the middle of the judgments of God that Isaiah saw coming in that dark storm, the Jews finally lifted up their voice to God. I think the light bulb went off. I better turn this over to God, right? They turned their heart and back to him. And when the fullness of God's time was come, God began to move in an unexpected way. 
he moved on an unlikely Persian king named Cyrus and decreed that the captives could go home and rebuild their temple. They never saw that coming. That's the way God works. Who would ever thought? Who would have imagined that the conqueror would of his own free will allow his captives to go? They didn't imagine it. Isaiah didn't exactly know how it would happen, but he imagined that God showing up in an unexpected way and delivering his people was in the cards. That's exactly how God operates. Sometimes we get fixated on what we want God to do and how we want him to do it. I, I think I've, I've said that a few times now. We try to confine God to the realm of our expectations. But if you'll take your eyes off of your expectations and lift them to the heavens, and you'll realize that your Redeemer is at work and that God is in the midst of making a way where there seems to be no way. It may seem impossible, but I believe God is getting ready to melt some mountains, right? God's getting ready to melt some mountains in your life. I wonder if there's anybody here in the sound of my voice that would simply dare to surrender your situation over to him. You don't have to raise your hand. Somebody needs to say, Lord, I remove all the limits of what I think you can do. I'm taking away my expectations, and I'm inviting you to simply show up and show out with all your glory and with all your majesty. Brothers and sisters, even in your darkest moments, even in those times when there's no light at the end of the tunnel, even in those times when it seems all hope is gone and the devil is screaming in your ear that it is over. Remember, we serve a God who has the final say and always has the final move. So often in life we consider the world to be such a mess. Probably rightly so. We got war, we got violence, we got unemployment, struggling marriages, depression, isolation. It's just everything. And people begin to feel lost. And we look for direction, and we get impatient, and many times we get into the wrong direction because we're not patient and we don't want to wait. But we can't give up. We can't give in to fear. The game is not over yet. Let me close with this. Actually, I have a picture. This picture, have you guys seen this picture before? Okay, this side's seen it before. I'm not talking to you guys. Have you guys seen this picture? I'm not talking to you either. <laughs> Don't say a word. I'll, I'll still talk to you. This is so good. This is so good. So I'm going to tell all, all three of you that don't know about it. <laughs> so this is a painting that's in the Louvre, Louvre, the Louvre Museum. Did I say that right? In France? 
Louvre. And um, this painting was done many, many, many years ago. And it's a painting that has, the artist has put the devil over on this side. And you, and you can see, he's, you guys probably can't see. But he's got like this snide look, kind of like the cat that ate the canary. And, and then you have on this side, you have a man who looks very distressed. Looks like his, his, he's done. That's it. It's over. And this particular painting is called Checkmate. And the idea is, is that the devil has talked this man into playing a chess match. And um, if he loses, he has to sell his soul to the devil. And clearly, he lost. <laughs> you could just... You can see it right there. So the story goes that there was a group of, a tourist group that was going through the museum and looking at all the different artwork and the paintings. And um, they were made up of a group of world-class athletes. And they were going through the museum. They were looking at all the different things. And they got to this painting here. And they looked at it. And they all went, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's great. And then everybody moved on to the next painting. Except one guy. One guy stayed back, and he stared at the painting. Now, the tour guide had moved forward with the group, and he turned around and went, oh, goodness. He walks back to the guy. He says, sir, are you, you coming with us? Are you going home? What's the deal? He says, there's something wrong with this picture. He said, I'm a world-class chess champion. And as a champion... I tend to see things on a board that the normal person can't see. And I'm just looking at this, and I, I think that you're going to have to um, either remove the picture or change the title on it. Title's checkmate. And the tourist guy says, well, I, I, I don't understand what you're trying to say, sir. Um, can you be more clear? He says, sure. I told you, I'm a world-class chess champion. But when I look at this chessboard, the devil is looking at the man as though he's the cat that swallowed the canary. But when I look at the chessboard, the king still has one more move. <laughs> the king still has one more move. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now and what the devil has whispered in your ear about your situation and what's going on in your life. The king still has one more move. I don't care about your finances right now because God's going to bless you. And I don't care what the devil's telling you because the king has one more move. Your relationships might not be going good. Your job might not be going good. And the devil is just screaming in your ear, you're done. Let me tell you and declare to you that the king has one more move. Praise God. That's our God. He has the final say and the final move. That's right. That's right. 
Okay, all of you that are not standing, why don't you stand? <laughs> I, I, I'm not a doomsday guy. I have read the end of the book, and it doesn't look so great. <laughs> but I'm, you all see what's going on. And it translates into our families and into our friendships and into our job. And people approach us and... You know, we're supposed to be that bright, shining light, right? That goes up to him and says, ah, I know it looks bad, but the king still has one more move. What does that mean? Let me tell you. But the whole entire thing comes down to you surrendering your situation to him. God, I can't do this anymore. I can't handle this anymore. I just can't do it without you. As a matter of fact, I'm not even going to involve myself in it. This is all yours. And I'm just going to wait for you to do what you do best. And so I'm going to open this altar tonight. I don't know what you guys got going on in your lives. Y'all look pretty and good tonight. But I'm no dummy. Everybody's got stuff going on. And I want to challenge you tonight to come to this altar and say, God, it's yours. It's yours. Do what you do best. And I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm not forcing my hand. I'm not inserting my plan. I'm going to wait on you. I wonder how many testimonies that come out of that. There would be a testimony in every single one of your lives because it's the Word of God. So I'm going to pray right now and I'm going to invite you to come up to this altar. Thank you, Jesus. And lay it down before the Lord. I feel tonight like there's some people in here tonight that need to lay some things down. I'm not just saying that. I feel that in the Spirit. I serve a God that will pick those things up and he will handle your situation if you will just cry out to him and say I don't want this anymore God I want you to handle it you're the one you're the one God that has the final say you're the one that makes the final move and so I'm going to wait for your final move on this and I'm going to stop trying to handle it and I'm going to stop trying to do it my way and I'm not going to keep surrounding you with my expectations God, I pray for each person within the sound of my voice right now. God, that you would hear their cries. God, that you would leave the heavens. That you would rend them and tear them in two and step into our situations and do what you do best. But God, I ask, God, that you would infuse us with a spirit of patience to wait on you, to wait on your solutions. Touch each person in here, God. Meet them right here in this building right now, Lord Jesus. Touch them in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen.